Sports fans and savages, welcome to Greg Nutton Show. Greg, your host, coming to you from Phoenix, Arizona. We've had a lot of politicians in. We've had some business people in. We've had uh, industry leaders. We've had gunfighters. We've had naked people. We've had the whole gamut, and uh, this season is going to be, season two is going to have uh, more and more uh, diversity. And when I say diversity, I just mean different stuff, not any sort of weighted demographic of people <laughs> um today our host uh has been a friend of uh, my industry and the business i'm in and we've known each other for several years he's been around uh fighting the good fight you know we hear people bandy about uh the phrase uh, or the word lobbyist we hear people talk about bills getting passed um, you always hear about this stuff like in the news after the fact. Most people don't really have much of a concept of what's required for those uh, bills that run through either state or uh, or federal legislation um, that run through that process. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. And if you stick around, what you're going to find out are some of the kookier things going on in the United States, limiting uh, rights and, uh, and the attempts to open up our rights. You're going to hear about some of the funky, I'm going to, I'm going to ask our guest today about some of the funky things you'd be surprised about. And, uh, and you're going to learn something about, um, an area that doesn't get as much coverage as say the second amendment and any discussions about second amendment, but it's kind of caged and framed all in that same type of, uh, same type of right, same type of uh, fight going on quietly behind the scenes. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about knives and uh, and their limitations in the U.S. and how we see those shifting. And then we're going to talk about the process of what it's like to go through and nudge uh, legislation or be a part of crafting legislation or be a part of stopping legislation, which is something that's valuable for you or for your house frau. If you got a type A house frau who's mad at something going on in your state, in your hometown, um, where they can go and, and uh, knowing where to push and exert pressure is probably one of the most valuable. It's the most valuable thing besides voting, knowing where to apply pressure so that you're not wasting your energy to, to nudge the body politic is, is uh, something everybody should know before they go trying to take action and uh, uh, do something to change the world. So without any further ado, we'll uh, welcome Doug Ritter to the show from Knife Rights. Doug, how are you? I'm great, Greg. Thanks for having me. I, I love the buttons. There we go. The buttons. All right, people, settle down. And they listen really well when you tell them to quiet down. Hey, so uh, you're based out of Scottsdale here. Um, Gilbert, but close. Okay, I thought you were over in Scottsdale. Um, did you, were you doing this 12 years ago when I jumped into the business? Yeah, we've been at this now in terms of actually getting legislation done mm -hmm. since 2009. We founded it in 2006. Okay, so kind of right around the same time it was yep. all gelling as I was coming to life here. Mm -hmm. um, talk to me a little bit about um, legislation that you guys have had successes with as far as blocking. So let's talk about blocked 
limitations that were going to get put on us for either any kind of knife thing. Can you give us a quick kind of rundown of the gamut? Sure. I mean, the majority of what we do is passing legislation that repeals existing knife bans. Okay. But, for example, uh, a number of years ago in uh, Nevada, uh, they wanted to limit uh, the the or define the a dangerous weapon as a knife two inches and above okay okay and sort of a quirk of the legislative process we ended up having to stop that bill twice because we thought we had it all finished and then it came back up to life sort of like a zombie one for every <laughs> inch so um, what was the what was the gist of what they were? It was just a two inch limitation. And you it, guys are like, are you out of your minds? So, so it would have meant anyone who carried a knife over two inches would be carrying a, a dangerous weapon, right. as opposed to a tool. And who was sponsoring that? Was that is that typically batshit crazy lefties? Um, it is often, most often Democrats. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, one of the things to understand about knife rights is we are the only Second Amendment organization to get support from the left because it's not about guns. Uh, the majority of our legislation that we get passed repealing knife bans um, passes with bipartisan support, often oh, unanimous. And this is a right to keep and bear arms. Yeah, the, the, it's the, the Second there's Amendment. There's nothing in the Bill of Rights, there's nothing in the Second Amendment that says firearms. Right, right, I mean, okay. that's what we... So that's your angle that you guys... Yeah, we're the, we're the second front in the defense of the Second Amendment. Okay. Because it, it doesn't say firearms, it says arms. And that if you look at our logo, it says essential tools, essential rights. And if we want to carry these tools, the, the, the most sturdy defense we have is the Second Amendment, which is becoming, you know, is being attacked all the time, yeah. but yeah. is also gaining ground. I mean, Georgia just became the 25th state with constitutional carry, which was great because it also, in the process, eliminated the last carry ban for knives in the state of Georgia. We had gotten rid of everything else prior to this. So 25 states, half the states now have constitutional carry. Compare that with a decade ago right. when there were a handful. Right. So the Second Amendment supports our efforts to make sure that we can carry these tools that are occasionally used by people in defense of themselves or the family okay so we got the two inch uh ding dongery of uh, nevada what else so um we've had a uh, number of bills that would uh limit lengths that's the most common bill that we run up against yeah um democrats seem to want short lengths is there is there some theme there that we can interpolate from that? I I I would not want to take advantage of of that line you just <laughs> threw out. Um, but but you know there there are there are crazy legislators on both sides of the aisle. Yeah, sure. Um, and and we end up dealing with them all. <laughs> but when you look at what we've accomplished, I mean, we have NRA F rated. Democratic legislators who support who stuff, who not just support stuff, sponsor our bills. That so, doesn't happen in the gun world. Okay, it's unique. So, so blocking the two inch thing in in Nevada. Tell, tell us some. Well, I want to hear some wins. It gives people a sense, kind so, of. So, in total, since two thousand ten, yep, we have defeated seven bills 
that wanted to somehow or other restrict what you could carry as a knife. Can you tell in the states? Because the listeners love that kind of stuff. Yeah, they can go on the knife right site because I don't remember. I'm old. New York, you know, I don't. Was remember. New York in there? No, New no. York was one of our wins. Um, in fact, it took nine and a half years and close to a million dollars. Okay, <laughs> right. So, I mean, you remember the New York win? So, all right. So, the, you've got some but, stuff that you blocked. You don't have that all committed to memory, but you have bills you helped get through. Thirty-seven, from from 2010 till now, thirty-seven bills that we are responsible for getting past or or our efforts were important to get past. Okay, you got in, some, give me some- 27 states. Give me, give me, give me some high points, because guys are gonna know. So, New York is probably the, was the most difficult fight. Well, that tell was us the nature of that years. one. So in, in New York, New York City was abusing the gravity knife ban at the New York state level to arrest over the course of a decade, over 70,000 people for carrying the kind of pocket knives that you produce. Mm -hmm. um, we were able to get the entire legislature behind our effort. Uh, started out as a federal civil rights suit against the city of New York. Uh, then we started legislation to try to get, essentially get rid of the gravity knife ban because that would prevent New York City from being able to abuse it and in their enforcement. So over the course of that time, we passed three bills in the legislature. Um, the first two were vetoed by Governor Cuomo, uh, even though they passed uh, the first time there were 21 nay votes in the entire legislature. The second time there were six nay votes in the entire legislature. So you, you had dramatically them. overwhelming support. Overwhelming support in a Democratic-controlled legislature. Um, meanwhile, the federal civil rights lawsuit was proceeding through two appeals to the Second Circuit. We are uh, for conference at the Supreme Court for our lawsuit, and we get our bill passed through the legislature again this is the third time. Third time, one nay vote. So two weeks from now, two weeks from then, our bill is, our case is going to be for, before the Supreme Court. If they decided to take the case, there's no question I think that we would have won. And even though it wasn't a 2A case, uh, it dealt with an area of civil rights law that the Second Amendment, the anti-Second Amendment community often uses to dispense with 2A cases. Mm -hmm. And so it would have been a huge win for the Second Amendment community. Governor Cuomo couldn't stand that, so he eventually signed our bill. So he relented the pressure and he didn't want to have a precedent changed at the at the court. Yeah. Okay. So that was and nine was, and a half And that years. was the, is, uh, when did that pass? How long ago was that? Uh, that was summer of 2019. So I haven't been back to New York since COVID bullshit started. I can't um, blame you. And uh, I, I mean, I just love going to the city. I wouldn't want to live there, but I love going there. I love going out and eating and drinking and being out with friends and people and socializing. Um, I came along after the show, the New York show, had left Times Square, I guess, mm -hmm. and bumped over to Jersey City. Is that why it went to Jersey City because yes. of that? And so could it now be back in the city if 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 we if uh, they had the Theoretically, yes. So can we carry my pocket knives now in New York City? Um, in New York City, as long as the blade is under four inches and as long as and as long as it's um, kept 
completely 100% concealed. So not clipped to your pocket, not printing in your pocket. Like nobody needs to know it exists. Then yes, you can legally carry in New York, but you can carry a lock blade knife and you can carry a true gravity knife. Now, as long as the blade is under four inches, because that's administrative code as opposed to state code. How do we get rid of the four inch, oh, the blade length restrictions are just stupid. Are there any knife restrictions that aren't irrational and idiotic and stupid? I agree with you, the, the, but the, the- That's what we do. The, the blade length thing is the dumbest thing ever. So can that be beaten in New York or is that just something everyone's so, gotta live with? So that is a New York City ordinance, right. not a state ordinance. Um, the odds of getting that repealed in New York City? Zero. Pretty much. And there's nobody that can supersede that and say it's an unconstitutional limitation. That would be the only approach. You'd have to take a. It, you'd have to do a high and, court and, overruling. And you're dealing with the Second Circuit, right? And they're and they're lib crazy, right? They're a very left leaning yeah. court. Very so, left leaning court. So otherwise, uh, we wouldn't have never gotten to the Supreme Court, right? Right. So you, it was. I know. Yeah. Uh, so for my listeners, you guys all know I'm a savage uh, uh, right leaning person, and Doug. <laughs> Doug has to maintain a bit of Switzerland since he dances with both sides of the ballroom. Uh, yeah. Okay. We're, we're a nonpartisan organization, which, you know, if you look at it, you know, the NRA, the Second Amendment Foundation, these are all really nonpartisan organizations. And a decade ago, 20 years ago, um, there were plenty of folks on the left who supported the right to bear arms. We've that has changed. Bifurcation of yeah, everybody. It, yeah, it's become very partisan in the last decade um but there's you know we're still a non-partisan partisan organization and like like i said in the second amendment community we're the only guys getting support from the left um so you uh, is there it's just you and your wife on this crusade uh myself my wife our professional lobbyist yeah that's basically it and when people donate money to you guys, um, it goes towards legal fees and, and lawyers' bills. Is that um, about the gist of it? No. Actually, legal fees and lawyers' bill are, with the exception of like a lawsuit in New York City, uh, really a very small part. It goes for lobbying. That's, we, we get things done because I and my lobbyists show up at the state houses and uh, Todd is really good at working with both sides of the aisle and it's not unusual for the expenses for some of these trips to be multiple thousands of dollars because you find out there's a bill hearing you have to buy an airplane ticket for the next day or yeah. the day after yeah um hotels are expensive all of that stuff is expensive and some states uh ohio is a classic example i mean we had 11 hearings in Ohio to get their switchblade uh, manufacturer and sale ban repealed last year. And we've already had three hearings, or well, we had six hearings, seven hearings, excuse me, last year on our bill to pass knife law preemption. And we've already had three hearings to get it out of the house again this year. In Ohio. In Ohio. Each one of those trips costs multiple thousands of dollars. Right. That's that's where the big expense for us is. There's logistics of getting there, yeah. being in the in the fight. You get things done by showing up. Right. You can't write letters. You can't send emails. Um, we get things done 
on the ground, walking the halls, um, taking legislature legislators to dinner where that's appropriate. Some states it is, some states it isn't. Every state is different. I mean, that's one of the things uh, I had to learn very, very early on, that just because I knew how legislation was made in Arizona, it doesn't mean that's how it's made in Texas or right. Missouri or anywhere else. Let's talk about some kooky knife laws that are out there now, because I know people dig this kind of stuff. Um, where, where do we see the kookiest knife laws? I don't know about kooky, but the ones that annoy me the most Let's hear it. are New Jersey. New Jersey is the only state where every knife violation is a felony from the get-go. Now, plenty of states, you know, if, if have situations where if you have a misdemeanor, it's upgraded to a felony. That was one of the problems with the New York City problem is folks who had misdemeanors 20 or 30 years ago were now being accused and being convicted of a felony for carrying a pocket knife. I mean, that sucked. It's crazy that there's this type of enforcement going on, and I know your mission has been going on for a long time, and it's so popular right now to be decriminalizing almost everything. And I think about the legislatures in these states and in, in and the uh, you know uh, city councils in these municipalities that come up with this craziness. They're allowing people that rob stores to basically, you know, no cash bail, just... It's crazy. You sign a piece of paperwork and leave. But if uh, someone comes through uh, who's maybe uh, from out of town, you know, from, from outside the city limits and they've got their pocket knife and they get ensnared because of their pocket knife, they, they're, they're in, you know, felonious trouble. That's crazy. In, in New Jersey, that would be the case. You know, the vast majority of arrests for illegal possession of a knife or something like that um, or carry of a knife typically occurs in connection with something else whether it's traffic yeah. stop i've heard it called or, a pyramid crime it's a pyramid offense it, usually it's it sort of you new york city was unique in that people were literally being stopped on the street for their clip for nothing other than carrying this knife right and even today if you have a knife clipped to your pocket they're gonna stop you and they're gonna issue a violation and they're gonna seize the knife even though they have absolutely no legal way to do that there, there's no legal way they can take your knife for a violation but they do that they could have used a few more people with knives yesterday in brooklyn they could have used a few more people with a, with uh, a more with formidable guns. weapon as yeah. well yeah you're absolutely um, right um what tell me some of the big uh um do you have any big kind of missions you're working on right now so uh right now is sort of the closing part of the legislative season. There mm -hmm. are a few states like Ohio, for example, that run till the end of the year because they have year-long sessions. But the vast majority of states' uh, legislative selections are anywhere from 60 days to 90 days. So we're sort of at the tail end of a lot of that. Um, for example, uh, Georgia's uh, constitutional carry bill passed the day before the end of the session so we're sort of winding down uh ohio is probably the one state that we're really going to be active in because we still want to get knife law preemption done what's uh, knife law preemption tell us what that is so knife law preemption uh is what it what it does is it makes state law preempt any local laws so the effect 
when it's done right. It nullifies it, all the crazy little stuff. It not just nullifies it, it prevents it from being passed in the future. So if you, so could, huge if, if you could get knife law pre, uh, preemption in New York, it would stop the New York City craziness. Right. But uh, that's not going to happen, of course, right now. Unfortunately not. But, for example, we, we have a bill in Pennsylvania that's moving slowly. Uh, another state which, uh, whose session continues on it at some length. Uh, just got out of the House Judiciary Committee uh, with a unanimous vote. Um, the Senate version of that bill uh, not only repeals their ban on switchblades, it also includes knife law preemption. So we're hopeful that in the end we'll end up with both. But by and large, um, over the course of, of since 2010, either we've gotten rid of bans first and then pass preemption or in some states we passed preemption and then got rid of bans or like in arizona there was no bans to get rid of uh but that was my home state this was the first state your home state this was the first state that we passed uh the nation's first knife law preemption bill in. so um is there such thing as a national preemption law so yes there is and no there isn't so it is possible for congress congress to pass a law and include preemption in it so, for example, federal firearms laws are generally preemptive uh, to a certain extent of state laws. Uh, and that's true with a lot of federal laws. Uh, if, if we were, we have a bill currently in Congress, uh, sponsored by my Congressman Andy Biggs here in Arizona, uh, called the Knife Owners Protection Act, which is modeled on the Firearms Owners Protection Act. That also includes the repeal of the Federal Switchblade Act. So if that gets passed, unless we include preemption language in it, then it won't automatically uh, override state and local laws. So the vast majority of our work is at the state level. What preemption allows us to do is there's no way a small organization like us can go to every city and town of course. and fix their laws. Of course. But with state knife law oh, preemption, yeah. it's a broad brush. Boom, it's taken care of. Yeah. And how many states have you had preemption laws passed in? I think we're up to 13 now. That you guys were instrumental in getting those going? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we are we're the organization that gets those done. Okay. Uh, pretty cool. Um, are there any states in play that you wouldn't expect we could get opened up and, and uh, have them be more knife-friendly? Are, are there any surprises? Or can I run down the list of Democrat states of, uh, let's say, California, Oregon, Washington, Washington, D.C., Massachusetts, Rhode Island, uh, Connecticut? I mean, is it is it that red and blue? To a certain extent. But, for example, uh, a number of years ago, we got Illinois' switchblade ban repealed. That People would have bet against that ever happening. Right. Um, this year, uh, we got Virginia's switchblade ban repeal, and everyone says, yeah, but they got a Republican governor. and But they didn't get a Republican Senate, and we got it out of the Senate. Yeah, the governor was a fluke. That wasn't the expectation, right? Yeah. And glad it happened, but Very. Not, so, not what you make leg legislation so, on. So we were able to get it out of the Senate unanimously. That's a Democratic-controlled Senate. So, yeah, it happens. How about, uh, talk to me about Texas, because I know a few years ago the Texas switchblade laws changed, and all of a sudden OTFs were allowed in Texas, and everyone went batshit crazy. 
So, so it's interesting so, since you bring it up. It is always interesting to watch the reaction when we get a switchblade <laughs> ban repealed. Because, for example, though from your point of view, everyone batshit crazy, to use your words, in yeah. Texas when we got the switchblade ban repealed. Because for like a year, everybody's like, yeah, we like knives. Do you have any out the fronts? Yeah. So that was, if, if you look at the industry as a whole, that was relatively minor reaction. When we got the ban repealed in Illinois, I don't think you could find an automatic knife in America for sale that hadn't that didn't go to Illinois for like six months, because Texans well they a have, lot of they've people got guns. carried they've got guns well they've they also guns. carried switchblades they didn't care about the the law. <laughs> right 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 but <laughs> yeah. up in Illinois they can't have anything yeah so so the reaction is is really oh, that's, Texas that's Texas funny. has been a very Texas isn't nearly as texas as everyone thinks it is uh to to quote uh governor abbott when he signed our bill that repealed their ban on carry of a bowie knife did you know that until we got that fixed it was illegal to carry a bowie knife in texas no you could possess one you couldn't carry one how the how the hell is that even possible in texas because Texas ain't nearly as Texas, Texas as everyone think. thinks it is. Yeah. Um, we have, so Texas has a session every other year. Their legislature doesn't meet, but every other year. So the good news is they can only screw things up every other year. The but bad news is they can't, can't fix, fix it. Things. Yeah, right. So we, we have been there for every session since, um, I think, 2013. And every year we roll back some more of their knife restrictions so we're getting there slowly but surely all right um we're right now in the united states where are switchblades or otfs uh, or automatic knives where are they banned they're outright banned in uh hawaii crazy uh minnesota minnesota of all places that's nuts isn't yeah. that where rashida talib's from Oh, no, the other one, Elihin Omar. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Uh, Minnesota, uh, civilian profession is outlaw banned in Washington State. Um, I can't remember. There's two others. Okay. Virginia was the six. We got rid of that one, so that's down to five. And California, you're allowed to have them now? Under two inches, you're allowed to carry. Under you're... two inches? That's okay. what that little Microtech thing's for, right? Yeah, all those, all those little, those are California legal autos. Oh. But you can possess. You can't purchase, theoretically. How does that work? Bizarre. <laughs> Look, if you think knife or gun laws are bizarre. Knife laws are crazy. Huh? Knife laws are crazy. I mean, we we came up with our legal blade app. So that people that travel or even live within a state can pull up an app and discover what the laws are. All because right, so most what, people have this, no idea. What is this Legal Blade app? Let me hear about it. it. So the Legal Blade app is an app on, you know, iPhone and, and Android that lists all the knife laws in all 50 states. So if Washington, I go on my D. iPhone right now, hold on a second. Let's look this up. So if I go on my iPhone right this minute, it doesn't recognize my face with the microphone here. <laughs> All right, and I go under um, the App Store, mm -hmm. and I go into search. 
Legal Blade, one word. All right. Knife Rights, Legal Blade. This thing here, it's the second one down with your yeah. logo. Yeah. So That's I right. put in Legal Blade Laws, three words, and it popped right up. You guys can go there and check that out. Um, where can people go if they want to donate to the cause? Because we've got knife slingers who watch this. You know, you guys, you spend money um, belonging to organizations that um, organize and lobby and do stuff for all your firearm stuff. Do you do anything for your knife stuff? Because most people are not carrying a gun around every single day with them all the time. Because even people who want to do that after a while realize what a pain in the ass it is. But people have knives with them all the time. Um, have you thought about donating any money to folks who are protecting that right because that could entangle you or ensnare you especially when you're on vacation so how does somebody donate if they want to donate to knife rights so they can certainly go to knife and make a donation but honestly wait a month because in a month about a month we'll be launching our annual ultimate steel fundraiser okay and we'll have somewhere in the order of uh Two hundred thousand dollars worth of knives, guns, stuff that they can they can win for a donation. Right, got it. Um, so, m the vast majority of our donations come in then because why wouldn't you donate when you can get a chance? When does that? Something? So this is an online per. So, um, the organization gets lots of stuff donated to them, and then they put them occasionally those, even I, a Medford. I know, I know, and and then they get put up for sale. Nope. The, it's, a it's, it's like a, a raffle. It's but, a raffle, but okay. it's not really a raffle because a raffle, yeah, is, it's a waffle. It's a waffle because raffles are regulated. It's a waffle. It's not a raffle. No matter what laws they come up that. with, they it's all not a raffle. We all work around. So, um, what you guys can do is go there and check it out. Now, what if somebody is? We have somebody on here who's like a firearms manufacturer. Can they donate a firearm? Sure, we have a number of men firearms manufacturers that uh okay. we get donations what if they're from? a whiskey distillery and they want to donate a, a, a wh some whiskey to you guys to uh uh waffle off i think we can do that i'm not sure about the legal prospects you know with a firearm we know everything yeah. goes through our ffl to right. their ffl right i don't know about whiskey how about fentanyl uh, apparently no, you can I get don't. fentanyl anywhere but the whiskey is really regulated yeah because the open borders are great for <laughs> Our fentanyl users. You could yeah. walk out the front of this building and throw a rock and hit somebody on fentanyl in the forehead. Unfortunately, yeah, there's this, probably uh, a certain amount this, of truth to this that. This whole I-17 corridor has just gone batshit crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but, but we concentrate on knives. Yeah, I know. I see it. So, so um, you've got the, some legislation in Ohio that you're, that you're nudging, and then you're going to be between and, sessions. And, and Pen Ohio and Pennsylvania are still live. Okay. Uh, then we'll be between sessions working on next year's. I mean, as a matter of, of uh, course, we don't talk about future legislation. Okay. Because, for example, there were a couple states that I would have sworn we would get bills filed in and moved this year, and didn't happen. Okay. And it's just the, the nature of the beast. So um, what happens if you are going to a uh, legislature and you're trying to get them to enact legislation? Do you bring them a written bill? So it depends. So sometimes a legislator uh, in a state will see what we've done elsewhere and they will file a bill and then we'll go in and sometimes have to help them rewrite the bill because... 
they didn't do it right the first time and and we'll lobby to actually get it passed there there are times uh, legislature legislators or politicians okay they will sometimes file a bill just because it'll keep a certain group off their back or whatever right with no intention with no of intention. doing it right okay right, right. we can go in and take the bill and get it passed once we convince them that this is a good idea uh texas where we started with the switchblade ban that was purely a publicity stunt there was never any intention to actually get that bill passed um and i sent my lobbyist to austin and he met with the legislator and he was able to talk him into oh this could be a serious bill and my constituents definitely need to have this so so that's one way it happens uh, another way it happens is legislators hear about us and come to us and say i want to fix my state and so we will write them a bill um it it just sort of depends we go to various legislator meetings uh we're legislators get together that are of the sort that we get an opportunity to talk to them mm -hmm. and we find potential sponsors there um, in other places for example constitutional carry we work to make sure that okay if you're doing a constitutional carry bill let's try to get see if you can tag knives onto it yeah specify it um so we so, don't so, so it doesn't so, remain ambiguous or whatever every state every circumstance is totally different you just there, there's no rule you, the, being flexible and showing up are the two things that have carried us is it right? all money if you had a uh if you had a let's say you had a sponsor like elon musk who was just went crazy for knives could you get much more done yes um and that's partially because there are some states that are very difficult to get things done unless you can pay for a local lobbyist to assist you yeah uh, virginia was a case like that so we were able to get a sponsor and get a local lobbyist involved and be able to get that done um there are a number of states where if we want to get things done we have to hire a local lobbyist well that is not cheap right um, what's a so, lobbyist yeah, charge it can be anywhere from five to twenty thousand a month oh that's how they do it it's not like hourly like an attorney no <laughs> no what a, uh -huh. what a fucking it, racket it, it it's you know but it's the, a lot of people have a bad opinion it's of lobbying yeah it's got a pejorative to it okay. for sure but the fact of the matter is if they didn't exist the good stuff that we want to get done wouldn't get done the right. fact that there are lobbyists out there trying to get bad things done yeah, it's the nature of the beast. It's called competition. Right. It's right. called a democracy. It's called a republic. This is right. what we how yeah. we do it. Marketplace of ideas. But if our side doesn't have lobbyists, we're not even at the game. We're not even we're not even showing right. up to the game if we're gonna do it. Okay. Be because the only way most of these legislators find out what they need to think about a bill is when somebody like Todd shows up and explains it to them. Okay. and says you know here is why this is important to you and your constituents it's like oh okay not always but that's how we get people yeah, on no, our you side gotta, because you gotta be there letting people know yeah and and what we're doing makes sense once they understand and get past the whole west side story and all that kind of uh negative uh outlook about switchblades and, and that sort of thing um 
once we're able to sit down with them and explain it to them, and, and sometimes we have trainers, so Todd will, you know, whip out a one-hand opener and an assisted opener and a switchblade trainers, and they go like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. That opens yeah. just as quickly or quickly or well, The nice or, thing is more quick. in 18 months, I have it on good authority, there will be nobody left alive who actually knows what West Side Story is. So... Uh, <laughs> So, so you'll be pretty good wait, in that regard. Wait, wait a second. Does that mean I'm? Does that mean I'm <laughs> passing away in the next eighteen months? No, I mean people in the legislature. <laughs> uh, well, we'll see. Uh, okay, fascinating. Uh, anything else you'd like to tell us about that you're working on? That's kind of uh, cool and uh, might be of interest to folks, or you got to kind of keep it quiet. If it's if it's things we're working on for the future, I can't really talk about it. Okay, because they may or may not come true, and right. I hate having to say, "Yeah, I said that," but it didn't okay, happen. Okay, fair enough. But the fact of the matter is, we're out there every day fighting for you and and your listeners' rights to carry whatever knife they want, wherever they want, however they want, and we're the only ones getting it done. Huh. 37 bills enacted repealing knife bans in 26 states since 2010 and over 150 cities and towns. Not cool. a bad record for a three-person organization. No, nicely done. Appreciate you doing it. All right. Well, uh, awesome. Well, thanks for coming in today. I hope it was uh, fun coming in. I, I think it's great for people to hear. You know, mo nobody knows the behind-the-scenes machinations that go on to make stuff happen. They would throw up if they did. It's <laughs> it's ugly, huh? It is ugly. You you've heard the expression that watching legislation made is like watching sausages being made. Yeah, that, that's really an insult to sausage makers. Really, it's awful. Huh? It's awful. Is the republic? Are we in? Is the republic going to make it, or are we just? Is it just too far gone, or is it always on the edge of too far gone? And it's just the nature of the beast. I don't have an answer for that. All I know is how to fight, and, and we're going to continue fighting because this is what we do. Are you pretty optimistic? I mean, does it seem like uh, you, you must find it worth doing? I find it immensely gratifying to when we succeed mm -hmm. because think about it, and, and you can relate to this. You're building products that are going to be handed out to future generations. Sure. Okay. How many times do you get to do something? like I do, that is going to affect not just people today, but their kids, their grandkids, their great-grandkids. Sure. Um, these, these laws that we're getting repealed mean that our kids and grandkids are going to live in a freer society. And whether that carries through to other parts of what's going on in America, I don't know. I can't control that, but I can tell you that Knife rights is going to continue our fight, so you can carry whatever the heck you. I'll want. have a. I got a pitch for you, okay? Since knife carriers uh, have a uh, disproportionately high percentage of um, Anglo type carriers, I think all knife laws are racist. Maybe you guys could start working that angle a little bit. Um, I'll take that under advice. They're not Jim Crow. They're Jim so, Joe. So, so the fact of the matter is, yeah, the vast majority of the knife restrictions that are currently in pace were put in after the Civil War oh. to keep blacks from having weapons. So Bowie knives, length restrictions, stuff like that. They couldn't have firearms, so now we so won't they are racist. So the rules are racist. And and the others, you know, the switchblade restrictions came in the late 50s. They were anti-Italian. 
anti-gang, uh, <laughs> most of most of whom were not necessarily Caucasian. And it was white, it was a West Side Story that probably yeah. did. And, huh? and and this is one of the reasons that we get support from the left, even though the arguments are the same. Yeah. For firearms, the, the arguments are no different. Right, but the knife thing's not as hot buttony, and it's yeah. not as polarized. And they can get behind that. That's good. Well, Doug, thanks for doing what you do. Appreciate you coming in. All right, sports fans, that's the show for the day. Thanks for joining us. A little bit about legislation going out into the big bad world, uh, trying to make it so that you can uh, blade sling at will and uh, not all of a sudden have an anvil fall out of the sky where some person from way on high has turned you into a criminal for carrying around your pocket knife. It's Greg Medford from the uh, Greg Medford Show. I'm out.